Again, we thank the Lord that you're here to worship him with us today. We have an awesome God who takes care of us and ministers to our needs. Uh, We were discussing that at Graveside yesterday. We have a God who's present with us at all times. Remember, one of the great promises in the Word of God is, Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We may feel forsaken sometimes, our feelings, but he never leaves us nor forsakes us. We have an awesome God. In fact, in the songs that Don chose for us this morning, we had that reminder that the Father sent the Son and the Son sent the Spirit. And uh, how thankful we are that as believers, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. Uh, it, it never ceases to amaze me. In fact, when I get on the subject of the Holy Spirit, uh, I have to pause and think and say, wow, um, how much do I really appreciate the fact that God lives within me? I mean, that's really something to contemplate, isn't it? The fact that the Holy Spirit lives within us as believers to empower us to do the will of God. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness un- witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And that's spreading the gospel till the Lord's work on earth is done as we sang together. Beautiful, beautiful song, Don chooses the best. Um, John chapter 16, if you would turn there for a moment, we're going to start by uh, understanding uh, the fact that the Holy Spirit has come to do many things. Um, one thing, of course, is the fact that he has come to indwell us. In John 14, uh, Jesus told the disciples, he dwells with you, he's with you. And he was with believers in Old Testament times. But as of Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came to indwell and live within believers. And we understand that to be a great and important spiritual truth. He also seals us. We're sealed until the day of redemption. That is the redemption of the body. In other words, we're sealed. You belong to Christ. And you're going to stay belonging to Christ until you're in glory with him. Now, that doesn't mean that Christians can't backslide. doesn't mean that Christians can't get out of fellowship with the Lord. Uh, these things can happen. But when you know Christ as your Savior, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. In fact, the seal is the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And, of course, the Holy Spirit wants to produce fruit in our lives for the Lord. Um, We often think of the fruit as, well, God uses us to bring others to faith. And that's true. That's fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness, and self-control. When the Holy Spirit's working in us, you know, you you could ask yourself, how do I know when the Holy Spirit's working? Well, I'm going to have love for others. I'm not going to be getting up tight at other people. I'm going to have allow the Holy Spirit to produce that love. Was it that Jesus had said, love your enemies? I mean, that's real easy to do, right? Love your enemies? Really easy to do. No, we can't do it apart from Him. We can't do it apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. Very difficult to do. And yet the point is that God, when, when He encourages us to love our enemies... And it's implying the fact that he can use us in the lives of people who may be opposed to us, especially because of our faith in the Lord. 
So he indwells us, he seals us, he, he produces fruit in our lives. And here's our topic for this morning we'll handle before we come to the Lord's table. He wants to fill us. He wants to control us. The word filling uh, is actually a word that can also be translated to control us. And it says, and we'll look at the verse in just a moment, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, allow the Holy Spirit to have complete control of your life. We'll go into this. Now, this passage, which um, was read for us in Scripture reading this morning, John 16, remember Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Comforter, the Helper, will not come to you, but... If I depart, I will send him to you. There it is right there. You see, our our Savior, he ascended back to the Father in heaven. We'll see him someday. Patty Smith sees him today. We'll see the Lord Jesus someday. The one who went to the cross for us. But when he ascended back into heaven, he sent the Holy Spirit, uh, God's Spirit, to live within us, to empower us. And we see in this passage, it is to our advantage that we have the Holy Spirit... Because when he comes, he's going to do some things. First thing he's going to do is to convict of sin. Did you see that? Uh, When he has come, verse 8, he will convict the world of sin. I don't know when you trusted Christ as Savior. I can still remember when I was saved. I was sitting about a row behind where Michael is this morning. And um, I knew that I had sinned. I knew that I was a sinner. I knew that my mom was saved and my dad was saved. But I knew through the convicting work of the Holy Spirit that I wasn't saved. And so on a Sunday night service, invitation was given. And I raised my hand. Any here today, tonight, who haven't received Christ as Savior? Boy, my hand went up. And um, right after the service, went down to the prayer room. We had a prayer room in my home church. And uh, prayed with the visiting uh, pastor and accepted Jesus Christ. I knew that night that I was saved and in the family of God. Now, I realize there's some people who say, I, I can't remember exactly when I was saved. The point is, do you know you are today? That's the manger. That's the main thing. Uh, you need to really know and understand that you have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So when the Holy Spirit comes, He convicts us. He convicted me that night. He convicts us of sin. Now, let me say this, and this is not easy to uh, communicate. kind of gets us thinking of people we know who need Christ, but... Probably all of us who are here this morning know someone who needs Jesus as Savior, right? And um, they're not saved yet. Well, one of the things, one of the reasons is because they're not convicted of their need for Christ. And so we can pray for friends and relatives and loved ones who don't know Christ, that they'll be convicted of their sin. You see, if a person doesn't think they're sinners, they're not going to want a Savior, But you and I know that the Word of God, which is God's truth and God's authority, tells us that we're all born sinners and in need of the Lord. And the sad thing is there are people floating around all around us who don't think they need even God. But they do, don't they? And you know what's really interesting? That when you pray for someone, and I'll never forget a prophet, Dallas Seminary. He he worked with Latinos. And he used to say, you know, I'll never forget he used to say this. He'd say, people I see getting saved are people I hear getting prayed for. Now, that doesn't mean that only the people I pray for or you pray for are going to get saved. But his point was good. His point is, people I see coming to Christ 
somebody was praying for them. And God the Holy Spirit worked in their hearts and showed them showed to them their need for the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit comes, he convicts of sin, and he came in order to bring people to Christ. You notice it says, of sin because they do not believe in me. And he causes people to see their need of sin and a Savior. <clears throat> and the third one, of their need for righteousness. And again, the point there is that we realize that we're not righteous in ourselves. And you will, know, you will understand this, that sometimes you have relatives or friends who need Christ and uh, they'll say something like that. Well, I'm all right. I'm okay. But you see, without Jesus, we're not okay. We need to have our sins forgiven, right? And thank the Lord <laughs> for what he's done for us. Wow. We are so thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> we want to talk this morning. If you will turn over now to the key passage, it's Ephesians 5.18. Ephesians 5.18. Galatians, Ephesians chapter 5. And verse 18, which says, <clears throat> And do not be drunk with wine, wherein is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So we who know Christ as Savior, we're going to say, Yes, I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit, that He lives within me. And now I realize that I need to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to talk about that being filled with the Spirit. The first part of that verse, uh, there are many translations for that word, uh, dissipation in the New King James. That's the translation I'm using. And do not be drunk with wine wherein is dissipation. Some translations use the word wherein is excess. I think it's interesting that the New Living Translation, by the way, that's a, an easy read, modern English Bible. Um, the New Living Translation translates this way. Do not be drunk with wine. Don't get drunk. And they translate it this way. Because it can ruin your life. Wow. That's quite a translation, isn't it? And, of course, some of us have known people through the years that they got drinking and drinking and drinking and took over their lives, brought them down. And only by the grace of God can they be lifted up. Um, drunkenness is a serious problem in someone's life. But there's always hope in Jesus Christ, isn't there? Always hope. Thank the Lord for that. Um, he's the one. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But that victory, promising victory over death, can apply to victory in any area of our lives that comes through Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. He is the victor. He's the one who gives victory. So uh, the text says, Be not drunk with wine, we're in its excess. And there's a reason for that being in the first part of the verse, but be filled with the Spirit. In other words, there's a contrast there. When someone's controlled by wine and uh, is an alcoholic and is really into it day after day after day after day, they can do things in a drunken condition that they wouldn't do if they were sober. And so what the Apostle is saying is there are things that we can do as believers beyond what we would normally do when we're controlled by the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that, about that in just a moment. I thought it was interesting. I was reading this week. <clears throat> a group of pastors were uh, discussing inviting evangelist D.L. Moody to come to uh, his city for evangelistic meetings. And by the way, I'm uh, old enough to have been involved in some evangelistic meetings, Billy Graham crusades and 
they're really interesting to go to. They really are. Uh, to watch the Spirit of the Lord work when there's thousands of people there. And the gospel is given. Christ died for our sins and he was buried. And he rose again for you. And he died to deliver you from sin. Uh, it, it's beautiful to see the Spirit of the Lord work. And, and, of course, at the end of the service, there's that invitation. And, of course, with Billy Graham, they used to sing, Just as I am without one plea. That they, and people come forward. And, uh, again, multitudes of them have been prayed for. And they come forward to receive Christ as Savior. Well, um, late 1800s, early 1900s, this group of pastors got together and said, let's, uh, let's invite um, Dwight L. Moody to come and handle the crusade for us. And one of the pastors said, well, does uh, Dwight L. Moody have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? In other words, maybe we could have somebody else come. And uh, one of the pastors said, no, but Moody doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on him. Real control of him. I thought that was interesting. 5.18, be not drunk with wine. but and, and again, the translation of the text is, could be made this way. Be being filled with the Spirit. Be constantly being filled. It's a present tense imperative. So beautiful. In fact, the um, implication here in the text, if you let your eyes look at the text of Scripture, uh, you'll notice that when we're filled with the Spirit, it's going to result in renewed worship and thanksgiving to the Lord. Uh, check this out. Uh, if you're filled with the Spirit, look at verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So the Lord puts a song in your heart. Have you ever caught yourself someday singing, oh, boy, I really, I have a song in my heart. I'm just so thankful. And when you come to church, you're singing unto the Lord and, when you sing here, by the way, you're just getting in tune for singing up there in glory. Revelation 4 and 5 will be involved in worship and glory. And it's, it's, it's good. One of the ways you know you're filled with the Spirit is you want to sing. You want to honor the Lord. You want to sing with others and praise His name. The text is real clear there. And, of course, it's singing uh, praise in your heart to the Lord. And that's the goal. So... Um, being filled with the Spirit results in worship and thanksgiving and in strengthening relationships. Look at verse 21. Being filled with the Spirit, verse 18, look down in verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. Here's how we're going to know if God's in control. If I'm willing to be in submission to others. I know the text is going to say, wives, be in submission to your husbands, but you'll notice what that's following. It's saying we are to be in submission to one another in the body of Christ. In other words, we need to be open to what others would like to do. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. So a person filled with the Holy Spirit is a person who thinks and acts in ways that may not be necessarily natural for that person in other words, when you're filled with the Spirit, you may have a boldness, as we will see in the book of Acts, to communicate to someone else about Christ. You may uh, be touched by the Lord to encourage someone who's very discouraged. But the Holy Spirit says to you, listen, you can see that that person's discouraged. 
You ought to encourage that person. And the Holy Spirit will guide your words, guide you as you try to encourage someone else who really needs encouragement. Examples of being filled with the Spirit are found clearly in the book of Acts. Just quickly, uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Would you go back there with me, please? And um, we'll pull all this together. Acts chapter 2, being filled with the Spirit. This is the account of what happened on the day of Pentecost. Remember, Jesus said, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And when he sent the Holy Spirit, he came in a very special way in Acts chapter 2 on what was called the day of Pentecost after the resurrection of Christ. And it says, and I'm going to read the text with you, Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly they came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and they all appeared to, then there, uh, pardon me, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of a fire, and this is the evidence a visible evidence of the coming of the Lord. And one sat upon each of them, and they were all, here's the phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues or other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. So in uh, Acts 2.4, Holy Spirit comes, and he comes upon the believers who have met together. And there's an, a visible evidence that God has come. Tongues of fire uh, on their heads. Uh, the, the glory of the Lord. Uh, an evidence of the glory of the Lord. And then later in Acts chapter 4 verse 8, you see something really interesting. We see the Apostle Peter. If you want to look there with me real quick, this is an interesting account. The Apostle Peter is standing before the Sanhedrin, and he says... In chapter 4, verse 8, rulers and pe- uh, of the people and the elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to the helpless man, he raised someone from the dead. I'm sorry, healed the uh, lame man, rather. Let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands before you healed. Wow. You see, Peter, it says clearly, was filled with the Holy Spirit when he said these words. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Later, Peter goes and tells of what happened, how he stood before these religious leaders who didn't believe in Jesus, and he meets together with the believers to tell them what happened in 423. 423. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all the things that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they're meeting together for prayer. And after they prayed, notice again verse 29. Let's pick it up there. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. 31. 431. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all, here it is, filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. See, so when the Holy Spirit came and filled these believers, they were able to boldly tell others about what Jesus Christ had done. 
That's one of the signs that you can tell, uh, am I really uh, controlled by the Spirit? Am I filled with the Spirit? If you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to have concern for others who need the Lord. And you're going to sometimes be led by the Lord to communicate something. And listen, I'm with you. It's not always easy to communicate to people who don't want to hear the Word of God. It's not easy. But that's what God wants to do. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says, Refuse not him who speaks. And that's speaking of the Lord um, to the people of Israel. Refuse not him who speaks. Because God has things he wants to communicate to us. Well, tying it together, we say, okay, I would love to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Dr. Ryrie from Dallas Seminary uh, said that he's been in situations where people have been speaking on the subject of being filled with the Spirit. And he said, um, he was in one situation and he said, uh, don't raise your hand on this now. Keep your hands down. He was in a group of people, and he said, how many of you are filled with the Spirit? And a few raised their hands. And <laughs> he said, how many of you are not filled with the Spirit? And he said, a lot of hands went up. <laughs> well, you know, can we tell when the Holy Spirit... I think we can. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faithfulness. When, when those things are in our lives, it is amazing what the Lord will do through us. Now, I'm going to give you three terms, and then we're going to come to the table together. The three terms are this. How am I filled with the Spirit? These are the three. Dr. Chafer, the founder of Dallas Seminary, he put these together. And he says, if you look at these two negatives and this one positive, you'll understand what being filled with the Spirit is all about. first one is quench not. First Thessalonians 5.19. Quench not the spirit. That verb, that same verb is used of taking a bucket of water and pouring it on a fire and putting out the fire. So how do you quench the spirit? Well, you have to be careful. Uh, if God asks you to do something, we have to be careful that we don't say no to the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I can't say that I've never said no to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit asks me to do something, to go see somebody, we just need that sensitivity. Lord, help me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Help me not to quench the Spirit. Obviously, sin quenches the Spirit. If there's something in my life that I know is absolutely wrong and I shouldn't do it, I should get it out of my life because it will quench the Spirit. The second one is grieve not the Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. There's two negatives. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And when you look at that passage in Ephesians 4, grieving the, sport, the Holy Spirit rather is done by, don't miss this please, things that are said, speech. We, we really do need to be careful. We really do. And I realize sometimes we get angry and we may say something we shouldn't say. Then we should ask for forgiveness first from the Lord and then secondly from the person we said something to. But it grieves the Lord when we say things that are critical of others, not, not said in a spirit of help or enabling. And, and you know, I like this. I like this for me. I'm hoping you'll, you'll be open to it as well. But I like this for me. I've got to be careful of my speech because it says in Ephesians chapter uh, 4 that I can grieve, I can hurt the Holy Spirit if I say things 
that are going to hurt others. And lastly, Ephesians, uh, pardon me, Galatians 5.16, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And listen, we're all on the same page here. I don't want to fulfill the lusts of the old nature, the old capacity in my life. I want to walk in the Spirit and do the things that please God. And so we're going to pray as we close, and we're going to come to the table together. Lord, help us to be guided by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we want your Holy Spirit to guide us. We thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. We are encouraged this morning to know that you can control us that you want to fill us. You want us to be used by you to help others, even some who don't know Christ. And Lord, help us to so be in control by the Holy Spirit that there is in our lives love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, as we sang earlier, to come into our lives. Bless us now as we come to the table and our hearts are prepared. In Jesus' name, amen.